can you lift your hand on high? Lift your both hands and just begin to bless God. Thank you, Holy Spirit of God. Thank you, Holy Spirit of God. Thank you, sweet Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit of God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Spirit. May you have your way as you implant the seed of your word into our hearts that it may grow, germinate, and bear seed and fruit. To you be glory now and forevermore. In Jesus' name, the Son of God. Can you please be seated? Can you please be seated? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. I want you to welcome your neighbor. Welcome your neighbor. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ask your friend, why are we here? And give an answer. What answer did you give? My heart desires that your heart will be inflamed with passion. Can I hear a big amen? Your heart will be aflamed with passion. Passion. Pastor Michaelisa, can you give us a wave of prayer? Hallelujah. Two weeks ago, Someone I know or someone I knew died. The person died. And I knew the person for at least a number of years. And as he died, when the information got to me, I was sitting down in my room and I was just thinking where the person was going. Contemplating whether the person was going to heaven or hell. The person was going to church. All right. But as to whether the person was born again, I didn't know. But the person was a church leader. 
But as to whether the person was born again, I knew not. So, I was just thinking about this person. Is he in hell or in heaven? Can you hear me clearly? As I was thinking, all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost said, I was just thinking, just contemplating. Then all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost said, Luke 16, 23. Then I knew the person was in hell. <laughs> because in hell, he lift up his eyes, being in torment, and see Abraham and Lazarus in his bosom. Praise God. Hallelujah. And I knew the man was in hell. The man was in hell. Because that scripture spoke of um, the rich man and Lazarus. Praise God. Tell your neighbor hell is a reality. And tell him heaven is a reality. Death. I know you are, you are not thinking of death yet because you are, we are all young people. All you know, your great grand, your grandfather will be thinking of death. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Death. How many of you have thought of dying? And this committing suicide. When I was a convert and I found the scripture, when I found Ecclesiastes 9.5, I was, I was amazed that the living know that they shall die, but the dead know not anything. Neither have they any more a reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Death. The living know that they shall die. The living know that they shall die. Psalm 116 verse 15 said that precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Mm. To some people death is pleasant but to some others death is very unpleasant. In the days of John Wesley there was a man by name Tom Payne an atheist who wrote a book entitled The Age of Reason and led many away from God. On his deathbed, he was about dying, then he screamed and said, Oh, if I had a world, I'd have given that the age of reason should not have been written. Then he was in pain, and he, then he said, God, why are you tormenting me? Then he came to himself and said, ah, Is there a God at all? Then the woman who was attending to, the nurse who was attending to him, was going away. Then she, he screamed, don't go, don't go, don't go. Please don't go. It is hell to be left alone. Then he said, my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? When John Wesley was dying, he was smiling. He said, 
the best of all is that God is with us. Then he said, farewell, farewell. The best of all is that God is with us. One Voltaire was dying. When he was alive, he said, he prophesied to himself and said, in 20 years, Christianity shall be no more. My single hand shall destroy the edifice of which it took 12 apostles to rear. He was boasting. The place where he was and spake this prophecy is a place at the, at the present called the Geneva Bible Institute. And this man on his deathbed, my one man was, so when people are dying, have you witnessed an infidel dying before? Someone who was very wicked on his deathbed, it's very miserable. I remember one, one of the great Caesars of the Roman Empire. He fought Christianity and fought against Jesus and killed thousands of people and millions of people. On his deathbed, he thought he could extinguish Christianity and destroy Christianity. In his days, he said no Christian should live. He did his best to destroy Christianity. But the more he killed them, the more Christianity grew and multiplied. The more he was doing, the more Christianity was growing. Then on his deathbed, he lifted up his hands to the sky and said, Nazarene, thou hast conquered. Nazarene, say Nazarene, Nazarene. thou hast conquered. Jesus will always conquer. But the reality I want you to know is that there is hell. Say there is hell. Any man who doesn't preach hell does not believe that there is one. Do you believe there is hell? Maybe you believe, but I want you to take time to capture the agony of this burning hell. When a man dies, in Isaiah 14 verse 9, the Bible said, Hell from beneath is moved to meet thee. So help, hell even comes to meet, to welcome you. When people die without Christ, hell just comes out to welcome them. Hallelujah. Because hell has a mouth. You know, hell has a mouth. Hell has a mouth. Hell has a belly. Mm. The Bible said that hell has opened its mouth wide without measure. And their pomp and their glory. And he that rejoices shall descend into it. Hell that's enlarged herself, that's opened her mouth without measure. Isaiah 5.14. Hell is real. See, hell is real. Hell from beneath. So hell is beneath. According to statistics, anytime, just look at your watch. Anytime your watch ticks, three people sink into Christless eternity. So anytime your watch ticks, three people descend into Christless eternity. That means that 180 people die in every one minute and go to hell. That means that since I began speaking, a lot of people have, have gone to hell already. <laughs> because in every one minute, 180 people descend into hell. Hell from beneath. Hell is beneath. 
Hell is here. That is why, you know, we have, when we consider the divisions of the earth, we have the crust, the mantle, the core, the outer core, and the what? The inner core. <laughs> now, the crust is just 40 feet downward. And when you go beyond, you get to the mantle. At the bottom of the mantle, the mantle, the temperature there measures 4,000 degrees Fahrenheit. You only need not 300 degrees Fahrenheit to bake cake in the oven. But at the bottom of the mantle, 4,000 degrees Fahrenheit. And when you, you see, hell is under the earth. And when you go downward to the core, that one is dangerous. The temperature, the temperature of the core is actually 11,000 degrees Fahrenheit, more than the photosphere. The surface of the sun is just 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit. So the, the heat at the core is stronger than the surface of the sun. And you see, the more you go down, the more you get to hell. Just watch videos of people who have had death experiences. The moment you die, if you are the devil, the messenger of the devil is there to take you to your home, your eternal abode, your eternal home. And hell is serious. It's fearful. Hell is just one compartment in Hades. You see, Hades is a very open place. It's, it's, it's a very big place. In Hades, we have we have Tartarus or Tartaru, which is the place for fallen angels. Some of the fallen angels are there. We have another place we call Abusos, which is another abyss, which has also some of some demons are kept there. Then we have hell, the place of fire, unquenchable fire. When, when men, the rebels, go there. Don't worry if you don't know where hell is, because according to Isaiah 65, in the last days, we shall make an excursion to hell to see those who rebelled against God. <laughs> the Bible says we shall go there. There will be an excursion. And we will see those. They are wallowing in the fires of hell. And the Bible says that they are, fire is not quenched. And they are when diet not. And every sacrifice shall be salted with salt. Amazing. We have another place that no one is there now. We call that place the Monhoro, basic discontinuity. That is where Satan will be released in, in Revelation 20 at the bottomless pit between the mantle and the crust. Everything spins this way. But hell is fierce. If, amazingly, if one goes to hell, hell is not eternal, but the lake of fire is eternal. The Bible uses the word Hades. Hades is Greek, but Sheol is Hebrew. Sheol is the same as Hades. Hades is the world of departed spirit. It's a very huge place. And in Hades, there are different departments and compartments. There is hell, there is Tartaru, there is Abusus, there are different. As I'm speaking, demons are now executing judgment over people in hell. 
demons are now I mean it's not the final estate for the, the rebels hell is not their final place of punishment hell will be cast into the lake of fire the lake of fire is eternal that place is dangerous the lake of fire the bible says that the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of his wrath which is poured down without mixture into the cup of his indignation and they shall be tormented day and night before the presence of the Lamb and before the presence of the holy angels. Revelation 14 verse 10. That one is dangerous. Hell. Hallelujah. Hell. That's the greatest enemy is death. And a friend of death is Hades. Hades. Death and Hades. Death is the dustpan. Hades is the trash can. Death is the dustpan. The devil used to collect the human race to cast it into the trash can. Hades, the lake of fire. As I'm speaking, people are dying. It's eternal. I pray that God will open your eyes to see the flames of fire. Some years ago, the Lord made me see hell but not inside hell but the outside of hell and to hear the groans and people screaming and shouting and i saw the inscription the prison of the incorrigible and people were crying and the screams were so dangerous it was so fearful that even if you were a believer you may be thinking you are going there Hallelujah. But why am I saying all these things? Hell is a reality. Jesus now is beckoning his people to preach the gospel. Because many are not seeing the reality of this place. Hell is a continuation. Those who serve the God of lust, when they go there, they are going to serve lust. Those who serve the God of music, when they go there, they are going to serve the God of music. It's a continuation. And there are degrees of punishment in hell. And the same as in heaven, we are not going to be the same. In hell, they are not going to be the same. <laughs> Jesus said, Woe unto you, Pharisees, for ye compass sea and land to make one proselyte. And after he is made, ye make him twofold a child of Gehenna than yourself. There are people who are too food, a child of Gehenna. It shall be more tolerable for Ty and for Sidon in the day of judgment than for this city. I pray that you see the reality. Hell, fire. And people are going there. Day and night. Day and night. Day and night. But the reason why many believers have no passion their hearts are dried. One man said, because our, the reason why our eyes are dried is because our hearts are dried. Because the eyes are the outlet of the heart. The reason why there is no passion is because I have realized that many Christians have not been able to distinguish the differences between compassion and natural affection. Compassion and natural affection. You see, many saints have substituted compassion 
for what is called natural affection. Natural affection. Natural affection. You will see that many of you have natural affection. But what you have is not actually compassion. Because compassion has its own unique manifestation. Natural affection is the, the affection of the natural man. Compassion is of the spirit. Now, you know that there are two kinds of love. You know there is filial and there is what? Agapa. Or what we call agape. You see? Natural affection is the issue of filial love. But compassion is the expression of the agape, the divine love. Human love will give birth to natural affection, but divine love will give birth to compassion. Praise God. Human love always births natural affection, for everyone has natural affection. But compassion is exceptional. That one comes from divine love. That's why in 2 Timothy 3, verse 1, Paul said, This note also that in the last days perilous times are coming, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, boosters, proud, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection. Paul mentions natural affection. In 2 Timothy 3, verse 2, there's natural affection. You see, natural affection. John said, Whoso has this world good and shattered his powers, whoso has this world good and seeth his brother hath need and shattered his powers of compassion, how dwelleth the agapa of the love of how dwelleth the agapa, the divine love of God in him? Whoso has this world good, you have the goods of the world. And you see it, your brother have need, and you shattered the bowels of your compassion. How dwelleth the divine love of God in you? First John 3:17. How dwelleth that love in you? So you see, compassion is the outflow of that divine love. But natural affection belongs to every human being. For example, let me show you. If we are all to make an excursion to Kolebu Hospital or to um Konfanochi, or two. we are going to the emergency ward of 37 military hospital the instant we all reach there everyone will have natural affection because you will see the injured the one who is battered tattered bruised you will see how they are they are scattered they are scorched you, you will see their pain and all of a sudden you have natural affection if you're in a car and you see an accident ahead of you and you see blood everyone those who are not born again and those who are born again everyone will have natural affection why because it is natural is that not so if we are here we see someone just fall from the roof tango we are here if he dies we just raise him up but if you see the person fall down what will happen you just have there will be a movement within your bowels the bowels of affection you will have natural affection Praise God. Let me ask you a question. Why is it that when you go for missions in the villages, the moment you get there, you are moved. Something happens within you. Most of the times, let me define that movement that you have. You see the physical estate of the people, how they are poor. You see the kind of food they eat. You see their physical condition, how they are deprived. You see their state, all of a sudden, you feel like preaching the gospel to them. 
feel like preaching to them. Why is it that you see people on campus who are well to do, but you are not moved to preach the gospel to them? What's the difference? Why? I mean, you see people smiling, people eating around, they are happy, coming for lectures. Nothing moves you to preach the gospel to them. But when you go to the village, you see their condition and you want to preach to them. Why? What, what moved you was the natural affection. You saw how hungry they are. They need something. You say, well, let me give them the gospel. But on campus, they are not hungry, but you don't want to preach to them. It means that if, most of the times we are led by natural affection. When we see them, yay, and the natural affection will trigger something within us, then we bring forth something to preach the gospel. But if it was to be, compassion goes beyond the physical needs of the people. Compassion sees their spiritual state, their wretchedness, and how miserable they are spiritually. Compassion obviously cares for their natural state, but it goes beyond the natural. If you have compassion, let me ask you a question. If you go to the football stadium, or if you see a stadium full of people, what comes into your heart first? Wow, the park will be jumping today. Park will be nice. The match will be nice. It's natural. When you see a lot of people coming, what happens to you? Wow. But see, compassion is unique. Say unique. Compassion is unique. That's what Jude one twenty two said. And some have compassion, making a difference. And some Jude one twenty two. And some have compassion, making a difference. The difference is in having compassion. Having compassion. It's not just because. So people are just content. Oh, these people are poor. Let's go and supply them food. It's good to supply them food. But the real thing is that they need Jesus. They need to be saved. You see, if you have compassion, if you are to be in a parliament house and you see parliamentarians, with compassion you see their spiritual nakedness. It's not because they are rich and they have an abundance, but you see their desperate condition. Because compassion is that which satisfies the heart of God. So my prayer for you is that you go beyond natural affection and hold on to compassion. Hallelujah. And some have compassion, making a difference. And some save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating the garment, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. 23 of Jude 1. The Bible said if you have compassion, two things come, fear and hate. Compassion will stir you up. You have a certain kind of amazement. Oh. That you want to save people and pull them out of the fire. You pull them out of the fire. And some have compassion. Compassion is that, is that which causes you to pull people out of the fire. Pulling them out of the fire. Hating even the garment spotted on the flesh. Pull them out of the fire. Say, I'll pull them from the fire. Pulling them out of the fire. Who are the people we have to pull them from? Which fire? The fire is the fire of God's judgment. Zechariah said, And I saw Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. And the Lord said unto Satan, 
the Lord rebuked thee. Even the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuked thee. Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? Zechariah 3 verse 1 and 2. Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? Joshua the high priest was in a filthy garment and the devil was about to resist him. And the Lord rebuked Satan. Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? Every man who has compassion will have something at work in him. The word is planchinizomai. It's an agitation, a movement from the, from the visceral part. Something within will stir you up if you see your neighbor. He may have all things, but without Christ, something will move you. And you will fear. That kind of fear will cause you to pull him out of the fire. Praise God. As I'm speaking, I see you speaking to your next door neighbor. Pulling him or her out of the fire. Your roommates pulling him or her out of the fire. The fire of God's judgment. Hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. There are some believers, they have drawn back. We are not of them that draw back onto perdition, but we are of them that believe onto the saving of the soul. There are those who have drawn back. And there are those, though they have been clothed with a garment of righteousness, yet it is dirty. But we have to bring them back so that they will wash their robes in the blood of the Lamb, that they may have right to eat the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Hallelujah. After the fire of God's judgment, unbelievers will bend, but believers who are not working with God will also face that fire. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit said to the churches. Him that overcometh shall not be hurt on the second day. Revelation 2 11. Him that overcometh shall not be hurt on the second day. Remember 1 Corinthians 3.15 that they shall be saved, yet so as by fire. There are some people who will be saved, yet so as by fire. They are in the faith. So when we go to evangelize, there are some people who know they are in the faith, but still pull them out of the fire because they are in some kind of judgment. Hallelujah. See, I'll make a difference. And some make a difference. Compassion. I doubt if you... Compassion. The love of God is within your heart, but I doubt if you have, them, you have allowed compassion to take absolute control over your consciousness. Because with compassion, you will see the fruit and the manifestation. You can't have compassion and just be sitting anyhow. Compassion will steer you on your feet. Compassion will not cause your tongue to cleave to the roof of your mouth. Compassion will burst your mouth open. Even when you are unprepared, even before premeditation, you find yourself preaching the gospel. It is compassion that breaks the limitations of fear. Why? When a man is in compassion, his love is greater than his fear. He has to preach to his next door neighbor, but fear grips you on your track. Fear causes you to be like a dumb man, though you can speak very well. Fear keeps you frozen on your track, but when compassion is alive, you begin to sound with the voice of the trumpet. You begin to speak on the top of the mountains, and when you meet a woman at a circus well, you begin to expound the glory of God in vivid description. 